it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Welcome to Success Secrets Exposed with Sally A. Curtis, where we share stories of challenge, success, and inspiration, along with practical tips and strategies to move you forward to your success. And now, here's your host, Sally A. Curtis. Good evening, good morning, and welcome. I have a very, very special show for you today, continuing in our theme of overcoming challenges. I have a very special guest for you today, Kate, who helps people move through grief to rediscover joy. She's one of the most uh, warmest and generous people that I have met, um, and lots of enthusiasm and lots of energy, as you'll get to experience very, very soon. Before I chat with Kate, uh, I actually wanted to share with you a very, very personal story of uh, grief of my own. So it's a little bit of a story around grief and transformation. It is a little bit different because um, like many, I have lost uh, loved ones. I've lost my parents. But this is around grief of losing myself and losing love. Now, I do like to challenge myself for those that have been listening in for a while and those that know me well. Um, And I will uh, share and say that this um, story that I'm actually going to share with you today, I have only ever shared once, and it was uh, for a fundraiser for a women's organization. And even though I'm a professional speaker, I had notes on that particular day to help me um, share and walk myself uh, through the story to be able to share it with you. And I will, will be honest with you today, I do find myself actually holding Uh, my notes as a little bit of an extra security blanket as well. So let me share with you this transformational story on, on diminishing for love. So today I'd like to invite you to reflect along with me and maybe, just maybe expand and discover a little bit more of you. And it's about who are you really? And that's always a very, very big question. So who is Sally Curtis anyway? I was a wife, a daughter, a lover, 
I am a sister, a friend, a single mum to Rory, who will tell you that I'm an over-nurturer. I've cared for others in a way that I did not care for myself. I'm bold, fiercely optimistic, very fast to act, highly sociable, and I set fires under opportunities to make them more magnificent. I see the giftedness in people and the right puzzle pieces that align perfectly for them. They actually light up for me. And I draw people into my world of magnifying their greatness and I can see their next steps clearly unfold before my eyes. And this is my what I call effortless genius. It's my high energy or my superpower and I absolutely love it. But I did lose that for quite a number of years and I lost my ability to see for love. I lost my voice and identity and I, I found myself feeling broken and desolate and it took a while but I had to rediscover it within me for me. So imagine for a moment all that super high energy, that intensity of fire in the belly of a go-getter. We've all experienced moments like that. And that outward animation of somebody that's high energy and highly social. It's a little bit like an explosive volcano. Now imagine putting a cork in the top of that type of volcano and now begin to feel that pressure as it builds, that now internal conflict that was the level of internal conflict that I experienced throughout these years where I was diminishing myself. And like many of us, I'd got really good at swallowing it down, at silencing it and diminishing that fire, that light inside. It was hard work, but when we do it a little bit at a time, it makes it really possible and really easy. As women, we have all done it. We've diminished the very essence of ourselves, even without thinking. That energy that's no longer visible soon becomes destructive, and it certainly did for me. I turned myself down, diminished. Sometimes we do this to fit in with others or to keep the peace at home or at work. In my case, it was to be with the one that I loved. I slowly was losing my voice, then my identity, and then my essence. We diminish ourselves to keep the job that we think we need because we think it's going to make our life easier, all the while churning inside as the fire of our essence is snuffed out. So for me, it didn't happen fast. It was just a little spark at a time but certainly gone before I realised. And like all great women, we all run in packs and we've got great women around us. And I thank God for some wonderful women that over time gave me a little nudge, helped me see again. And I share this with you today so to help you and invite you to reflect and see differently through my eyes, through my story. Perhaps to see the warning signs that were mine and just maybe see something more for yourself. See, I had three warning signs, the longing, the blindness, and the waiting. There is no doubt that I was in a dark space, and despite all the funkiness, I still had that longing, you know, that longing to be more, 
those moments that you have a fleeting excitement and the feelings of optimism where it all feels really great again. Knowing in those moments that I can be more and saying to myself, damn it, I have been more. Those moments of courage that popped up, even though they were only occasionally. The messages that made the longing linger, the message that came from my mum and I shared in an earlier episode the story of my mum's stroke and how that uh, was a tipping point in my life. And that stroke which left her silenced and still. And in a moment of pure clarity and speech, she looked at me, uh, looked me in the eyes and she actually reached out and touched my arm and said, Sally, stop settling for. It was a pivotal moment. Then there was messages from books or a video saying how relationships grow better every year. Movies, fairy tales and grand gestures. I'm absolutely, totally a romantic. A girlfriend or two or three with a very blunt message saying, Sally, that's crap. You're a couple. You've been together for years. You shouldn't feel like that. I was offended at the time, like really offended, um, and it was those conversations, however, that ignited a spark again in me, a new fire of hope and a moment or two of courage. And I could start to see now, retrospectively looking back, that those moments of courage were starting to accumulate. I can choose. I can choose to see my blindness to the situation I had created. My blindness was my choice. And I could hear myself saying, I know, I know, it's just always been this way. We're just like that because I know, but I just find it hard. It's, I like sitting in my comfort zone, my safe, cold, damp sand pit with the lid jammed down tight so no one could see me, sitting in that darkness of denial, denial to not see to choose blindness. I can. I started to see my repeating patterns, the waiting, waiting to be heard, waiting to be really understood, frustrated, like really frustrated that I wasn't. And I, the feelings that we were both clearly on different pages in our communication and in very, very different books. The waiting to see if we had plans for the weekend together or not before saying yes to friends and then having neither. Waiting, waiting, one foot in, one foot out, stuck in stagnation, shoulders rounded, eyes dull, always looking away in a quiet voice but wanting more. The anticipation that he was close to where I was working on that day the thought that he might just drop in for coffee like I would, the neediness to identify myself in another, waiting for him to pop in, but already knowing the actual result. It was a no. The waiting for a deeper commitment, the waiting to be trusted whilst not fully trusting myself. Clearly Clearly something did not feel right And now I was starting to feel these signs. My trust needed to come from within. The love I needed was within me. I can still have it all, as can you. Because it already is inside you, as it was within me. I just needed to rediscover it and set it alight. In an intimate moment, I did speak up 
calmly and shared what I felt and what I actually wanted. I refound my superpower and I set it free. I stood in my spot, my feet square, my shoulders back like a great superwoman pose, and I owned my power, my words, and my feelings, and I made a decision for me. It was a longer moment of courage. But (laughs) we do crazy things for love, and I agreed to work on our relationship with some help from another. And as we worked through our stuff, that very technical term stuff, I would feel the little nudges from the universe. The effortless flow I'd experienced in my business would suddenly go, as an example. I would mentally check out of the relationship, stand in my power, and new clients would come into me from all directions. And I'd go back into the relationship and they would all cancel. And that happened three times. So let me explain why I even noticed that little message from the universe and the clients coming and going. I love repeatable patterns. And I say to my clients often, do more of what's working and stop doing what's not. Okay, universe, love your sense of humor. I see it now. I need to take my own advice. I saw the patterns of waiting, a new form of waiting, the all too comfortable feeling of being wrapped in a warm blanket, snuggling down, doing nothing, going nowhere. Now, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love a good snuggle blanket with a movie, a great book and a glass of red wine, but not for life. I don't want to be stuck. And that's when it becomes that cold, dark sand pit with the lid jammed down when it become, when you become stuck in it. Magic happens when you stand in your superpower. You own your spot and you make a decision that is right for you. And again, I did this. I stopped. I reflected. I said, no, I want more. I want the fairy tale. And I can give myself that fairy tale. My superpower that I share so easily with others can be mine for me. I can be my greatest cheer squad. I can take my own advice. I can create my own decisions, then my actions, and I can be more again. And you can too. I celebrated, uh, really, really celebrated my 50th, which was a few years ago now. Um, And I remember telling the story and the impact that it had on the room. And it's just a really little quick one. And I shared a story of a a male friend of mine who shared in one of our group SMS chats that he had had a wife and now that he has a new wife, he has stepdaughters, a granddaughter, a cat, rabbits, a guinea pig. And another friend responded with, wow, you are wealthy. And it was in that moment that I took stock and I looked at my transformation and I saw how wealthy I was and how wealthy I had re-become. The love that I lost has become the love that I found in myself, the friends I reconnected with, the family that I created with my sister, my son, my friends, my staff, and the support that I have around me, the businesses that I have helped, and the fun that I have. That is the fairy tale for me. That is being wealthy. So don't waste your time. Don't wait. Going back to a story of my mum, my mum waited to see Alaska for her 80th birthday, but her stroke came too soon. So my message for you today is don't settle for, 
don't diminish and don't wait. You are wealthy now. You have everything already inside you, but it may be tucked down or buried like it was for me. But it is in there. Expand, explore and discover more of you. I think it's fair to say life is a roller coaster. And I look forward to sharing another person's journey on that roller coaster with you very, very shortly. What I'd like to just do is just go to a quick break now just to reset, and then we will uh, welcome Kate into the next episode. Speak to you shortly. Wow, what great tips and strategies already. But stay tuned for even more inspiration. We are taking a quick break and Sally will be right back with more of Success Secrets Exposed. You're listening to W4WN Radio, the Women for Women Network, brought to you live by the Talk 4 Media Network at W4WN.com, connecting and empowering women around the globe. Have you ever dreamt of being on the radio? Well, now is your chance. Be a radio show guest on the number one ranked internet radio station and promote you and your business for free. Yes, you heard it, free. Business advertising right here on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 now to get booked on one of our shows. That's 561-506-4031. Get your free advertising now. Have you ever dreamed of having your own radio show? Well, W4CY Radio makes dreams come true. You can be a radio personality on the number one ranked internet radio station in West Palm Beach, Florida. We can be heard in 105 countries and all U.S. states. Promote your business. Earn up to $10,000 per month and more. It's all up to you. Have fun and be heard. Call 561-506-4031. That's 561-506-4031. Start your radio show now. Hello listeners, it's time for more Secrets Exposed. So let's continue to move you forward to your success. Once again, here's your host, Sally A. Curtis. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us yet again. As I mentioned, uh, life is certainly a roller coaster, and um, this week, this month's theme, we continue to talk about overcoming challenges. Now, Kate is a, a gr- grief and bereavement counsellor and has an absolute passion for helping people. And it comes from her own life experiences, which we'll get to hear a little bit about today. But let me share a little bit of her background. Grief and loss touched her in very uh, profound ways and has had many twists and turns so a great continuation of the story that we've got for you today through her passion for therapy and the dynamics of relationships between people and this began to as this began to emerge she discovered she had a natural skill in assisting people through difficult circumstances her passion lies in helping clients both adults and children with their losses grief and bereavement Now, like we've expressed today, loss can come in many uh, forms and varieties. And Kate helps her clients learn to cope with loss of relationships, pets, carers, miscarriage, parents, grandparents, employment, even independence, dreams, and much more. In her grief counselling work, she has many has helped many people with their bereavement so they can rediscover joy and happiness 
again. Kate has extensive trainings and a wealth of personal and professional experience to work with and help clients rediscover joy. So welcome to our show today, Kate. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. Thanks so much, Sally. It was wonderful hearing that story and so relatable, so emotion-filled. It's just awesome that you've gotten through that and recognised who you really are. Very much so. It was uh, certainly a journey at the time and I um, love uh, one of the Steve Jobs um, videos where he talks about the ability to join the the, join the dots retrospectively. So I couldn't have told you it at the time, but certainly can tell you about it after the fact. <laughs> and can't we all? Do you often through something like that as well? And wow, it's such a journey. I think life is very, very much a journey. So I'd love to um, hear a little bit more about your backstory and what uh, created you to become who you are. Um, (laughs) Well, because we're talking about um, really rediscovering yourself, love of yourself today, I thought I'd tell you a bit about how I became invisible and how I actually found myself after an extremely, extremely long time. (laughs) So I actually met my husband when we were 17. We were both 17. I'm a bit older than him, though. And we got married when we were 20, so extremely young. I would have died if my children got married at that age. (laughs) I was a a 1950s housewife dropped into a 1970s marriage. And, you know, it really worked well for my husband because I cooked and I cleaned and, you know, I even made our bed around him of a Saturday morning because he slept in on the weekends. But I felt really satisfied because I was brought up to be that wonderful housewife, you know, as you said, you know, you're a housewife, you're a daughter, you're a lover, you're, you know, everything to everybody. Yeah, so this really, really excited me that he was really pleased with me and, oh, my goodness, I... I've got goosebumps thinking how I could even think that, but my mother was the same. Mm. So I was awesome. Oh, just ask me. I was great. So he he didn't need to do anything at all, and his friends were my friends, and we all went out together and, you know, we had heaps of fun together, but we both worked two jobs because at the time during the 70s and 80s, the interest rates went up, you know, to 19%. So we both had to work and we were working seven days a week. And then on the weekends, we'd have friends over and they'd stay overnight. So I'd cook and I'd clean up after them and do everything for them as the good housewife does. And then, um, you know, sometimes at midnight, he'd ask me, you know, would you make us some scones? Would you make us a lemon meringue pie? I went, oh, sure. I'd love to do that. And that was... And I really did enjoy it at the time. So fast forward to having our eldest daughter and, you know, I was sick throughout the whole pregnancy from the time I woke up till the time I went to bed. I was just morning sickness, you know, except for the third month of the pregnancy and I was just vomiting all the time. Um, And then I worked up to a month before she was due 
um, which was really a week before she was due because she was three weeks late. So I used to get up at 5am, get home at 5.30pm and cook and clean and, you know, do all the vomit and everything then as well. So when I stopped work, I became the best mother ever. Like she was my focus. I cooked, I cleaned and knitted while she was asleep. And then when she woke up, I just adored her and did everything that you know, a mother could possibly do. I absolutely loved her. She became my total life. So our lives go on like this for, you know, lots of stuff happening, like there's different traumas that happen through our lives. And then we decided to sell our house, build a new house, buy, you know, buy property and build a new house. I became pregnant with identical twin girls. And they were born at 24 weeks gestation, so that's sort of a little bit over halfway. And there's a whole long story to go with that, um, you know, about what happened. So anyway, we had them and they were in neonatal intensive care, very, very sick. And after a a week, our youngest daughter died from a brain hemorrhage. And our eldest twin spent the next six months in hospital and then the next six years in and out of hospital every month because her lungs were so weak. And to top it off, my husband hated hospitals, so none of the staff knew they had a they, that he had a they had a father. So that was really tough as well. So you know you can see that my identity became being a mother first, then a wife And, you know, then as they grew up, like the girls wanted all the different things, you know, like swimming and dancing and soccer and touch football and all the stuff that mums do that, you know, we lose ourselves over. So in the year 2000, I remember the day perfectly when I knew I needed help and I just was not myself at all. And... I remember I got so angry that I chased my poor dog, he's a little Blenheim Cavalier King Charles Spaniel around the house because he was in my way while I was cooking in the kitchen. (laughs) I really, I cornered him. This really, you know, I cornered him and his eyes were so wide, he was so terrified of me. I could then see what I was doing and I really knew I needed help then. So I sat down and cried and he hugged me and me all over. And, oh, my gosh, I couldn't believe the anger. But I was, you know, um, when I went, I actually rang a therapist that day, a psychotherapist, and booked in and told her what had happened and, you know, she said, yeah, come in and talk. And that was when I realised that I was really invisible to me. Like, I was invisible. I was all these awesome things, but it wasn't me. So, yeah. So then I saw a therapist for 10 years, made my husband see a therapist because our marriage was, you know, really gone. For America's climate goals, investing in clean energy adds up. But what doesn't add up is an additionality requirement for clean hydrogen. Additionality would put an unnecessary and inequitable burden on domestic clean hydrogen producers and have serious consequences for America. America needs clean hydrogen, but an additionality requirement just doesn't add up. 
Get the facts at cleanhydrogentoday.org. Paid for by the Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Energy Association. And by that time, because I was just a mum and a housekeeper by that time, and he he was in the army and working, and, you know, I was happy for him to go away. So <laughs> it was just, you know, it was luxury when he was gone. So, um, and I hated him coming back because, you know, I was a control freak then too. So, and absolutely had everything scheduled. And, oh, I can relate. <laughs> So I don't know how we got through that, but I think, I think, you know, I had a, I was really close to my dad and I had a conversation with dad um, because absolutely nobody, I'm from a really big family and nobody liked my husband at all. They couldn't believe that I married him for one thing. One of my aunts said, oh, Kate's met her Waterloo. And I thought, oh, really? Yeah. 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 And then, but then, you know, I went through therapy, he went through therapy, and we found out that we were two people who had lost ourselves, who had been through a lot of trauma in our young lives, and we were really angry people, but expressed it in really different ways. So, mm. together, 45, 48 years later, so, <laughs> but we were, I think we were both lucky that we're the type of people we are. And really wanted to be be with one another as well. Beautiful. And, yeah. yeah, I've uh, I've got I'm laughing because the uh, where we the crazy woman moments. Um, oh. My dog tells me. Uh, but, Often it's the dog before Rory tells me, oh, God, yeah. he's just about to have a crazy woman moment. And they both leave, sort of yeah. like they, they see it coming and they just leave. Luckily enough, I don't have too many of those these days because there was a long time there that everyone would hide. hide. But, um, yes, less crazy woman moments, more passion woman, woman moments now, which is awesome. Can I ask a slightly off-topic question because I um, <laughs> you've said it when we've spoken before and you talked about how you actually made your husband go to therapy with you and I dare say that there's lots of uh, listeners and I know from my own experience with my first husband um, getting the getting them to therapy or to have a conversation where we had somebody helping us was such a difficult task how did you manage that uh, Do you I have any have... tips around that <laughs> well I don't think this works very well all the time because my I actually built myself up for about three years till I could recognize who I was and it just wasn't working in the marriage and I said my I was talking to my therapist for quite a few months I think about you know how am I going to get him to come and she said well you could give him a, an ultimatum like either you come or you leave but you have to leave when he says no to therapy. So that's the months of work that I had. You know, I thought as soon as I say to him, I will leave if you don't go to therapy, I was ready to pack my bags then. Yeah. And he just, like, my therapist gave me a list of um, good therapists that, you know, she knew his story mm. and uh, good therapists to give him and I just handed up. Oh, I still remember this. Wow. He was sitting on the lounge in the lounge room and I had the piece of paper. I was shaking. I felt sick. And I just went, "Hun, we need to talk. And he went, oh, this sounds ominous. And I went, yeah, you have to go to therapy or I'm leaving. And he went, huh? 
what? <laughs> and I said, here's therapists and I want you to choose one of these and you're going to therapy. And I went, oh, okay then. And I thought, oh, really? So <laughs> that was it. And I think he really knew because I'd been in therapy for so long how much it had changed me that he really, yeah, he really needed to work on himself. So he was witness to your transformation. Yeah, so to speak. yeah, 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 yeah. Because he used to, you know, I used to come home from um, therapy and he'd go, oh, what was the psycho babble today about? <laughs> And he really put it down. But um, I think he was just processing it because my husband takes a long time to process things. I'm very visual and tactile and he's very, I don't know, slow. (laughs) Different. (laughs) Very different, yes, yeah, yeah. And I think he's mainly visual, yeah. Um, But, yeah, just a lot of processing needed to be done. And I think that three years of me transforming really got him to just go, oh, okay. And I thought, oh, good, I don't have to pack my bags. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, one less, one less thing in a time of in a time of change, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, nice. that's right. And yeah. as you said, that's that was the the tipping point for the now forty eight years of marriage, which is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about the type of work uh, that you do because obviously everything revolves around helping people rediscover joy Um, and that was certainly my experience uh, when I was able to look back and sort of refine myself and refine my passion within the business and all those sorts of things. So uh, are you able to share some either some real-life examples of people that uh, you've worked with or um, some common uh, problems or setbacks that you see people experience while they're going through their own varying grieving process? Mm. Yeah, I have a lot of um, women, but I also have a lot of men who come in as well. So, you know, it seems to be sensitive people that um, can't live with the other person, you know, and then, you know, they're very much like me. I tend to have people like me um, Mm. who have, you know, who I totally relate to their story with. So, um, yeah, so they come in, they're not understood by their partner. Sometimes they've had an affair as well, which is, yeah, that's got to be worked through as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, because you're not being seen by the other person and you actually need to, you know, your emotions need to be validated rather than, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm always being told I'm overreacting or, you know, I'm just too much or, you know, they can't deal with me, they just walk away with, walk away from me. So really, you know, as human beings, we know, it, we know ourselves as in the intellectual part, like we know we're a wife, we know that we're a daughter, we know we're a mother, we know we're an aunt, a sister, all that sort of stuff. But then we've got to sort of dig down into the emotional part. And I think we live in such a culture that doesn't really uh, tolerate emotions very well. Mm-hmm. So going to a therapist is the best thing if you really need to search 
yourself or, you know, finding yourself because it's digging down into the emotions. And as you say, you know, the patterns that Mm. you grew up with, and it's not only the patterns from your childhood, it's patterns from your parents' childhood and your parents' parents and generations before that we're dealing with and their belief systems, their values, their boundaries. So there's a lot to work through um, once a person comes in and says, oh, give me the magic pill. I just need, you know, a couple of sessions and I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. If you need a couple of sessions, I think you need to leave now because I won't be for you. You actually need to dig really, really deep into you and, you know, you've got to revisit the past and some of the really painful emotions that you've been through growing up. So, and there's a lot of people who have been um, targeted by bullies and, you know, parents haven't been um, good parents for those children because every parent needs to sort of zone in, become attuned to their child, which is really difficult to do because as parents we want to fix our childhood, you know, like... Through our children, yeah. That's right, exactly. My parents brought me up really badly, so I'm going to fix my children. They're going to be the best children ever. (laughs) But, yeah, it doesn't work that way. So we really need someone. You know, um, I think we get lost because we look so good. I was, and I'm sure you were, Sally, a high-functioning, invisible person. You know, you could, yeah. Absolutely no one would have known. No one would have known. No. Absolutely not. Very good at disguise. Yep. Outside our marriage, we looked perfect. Like anyone... Everyone wanted our marriage. It was really weird, like, and that's what my parents were too. You had to look good, yet we had family secrets, you know. Mm. You know, you don't tell people that. That's how, Mm. you know. So that's how you get to be invisible because you've got this um, closed-circuit family, you know, Mm. we do it this way. Don't Mm. tell that person. Don't tell that person. So... Yeah, it's sort of um, recognising from the outside and, like, you had friends telling you and I had friends telling me and family. Uh, So, you know, like, that's, you know, that's not great. So, but you need to decide for yourself whether whether it's good or not, you know, because you can be living your, your happiness, your joy, but it might look terrible to somebody else as long as it's not abusive and you have you. Yeah, yeah, very true. Interesting when you were talking about um, the different types of emotions that come up because I remember uh, reading an article that someone shared with me. I think it's called epigenetics, if I've got the right term. Oh, epigenetics, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was just, uh, I loved it because I shared it with Rory because it had pictures of, of the uh, the mice situation. And I, I wanted to share on this because I didn't realise that, that there was um, the science behind it and um, mm. I love 
bit of a science geek, so I like like all that. So it talked, it told a story about how they had um, they uh, had uh, mice, and that they um, with these mice they sprayed uh, cherry blossom and gave them an electric shock. So whenever the cherry blossom uh, was sprayed, they'd get a little electric shock. So of course those little mice were traumatized traumatized in a certain little way. Then those ma- uh, mice had uh, babies. And they were only um, given the um, fragrance of the cherry blossom was uh, was was sprayed, and they did, weren't electric shocked. Uh, so they had cherry blossom, but no electric shock. And then those uh, mice had babies, and when they were sprayed uh, with, with the cherry blossom, or the cherry blossom was sprayed, they convulsed as though they had been shocked, even though they weren't. So it was. I found that fascinating how it had skipped, how the the trauma was sort of a two generations back, but it had actually come forward to the across to the third generation. Not explaining it quite as perfectly as the the article did, but I just found that fascinating. That you know, um, the grandparents, so to speak, were the ones with the trauma, but it was the grandkids, that, in this case, the mice, that actually re-experienced it um, without actually experiencing it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And epigenetics, I'm really interested in that too. I absolutely loved it. And you explain it really, really well. And But people do need to realise that it is, you know, and they're finding a little bit more about that with pregnant women that, um, uh, I've lost my thought pattern now, that uh, the children, if the mother was anxious or depressed during the during the pregnancy, the child is anxious and depressed as well. Mm. That they're predisposed to it, not that they will be, but yeah. predisposed to predisposed. it. Yeah. So there's a lot of research on that. That's really interesting. Yeah. We are interesting, aren't we, us humans, and the way we um, transform, evolve, change, and where we come from, etc. Yeah, we sure are. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to share some of the work that you do or some of the scenarios that you also do um, as it relates to children? Because I imagine children are a little bit different to working with adults. You, know, you yeah. do it a little bit differently. Can you share a little bit of the um, insight around that as well, please, Kate? Well, with children, I've, I've had um, children from four years old and I do uh, sand play therapy with them. Uh, I don't so much work with young children now. It's usually the teenagers. Mm-hmm. But the, the sand play therapy, it's sort of, it's like playing with them. And you know how children learn by playing and you can see what people, what children have learnt through their play. So it's yeah. a really uh, great insight into their world and you really, really learn a lot about their home life and, um, you know, what their parents are like and who they are in their in their own lives. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, I've um, I'm seeing a lot of uh, high school kids. You know, because we've had the the COVID nineteen lockdowns and the kids have been at home and they've actually the ones that I'm seeing have actually thrived at home. They're from 13 to 17 years old at the moment and I work with uh, Soul Collage with them 
And sole collage is around making uh, five by eight of the cardboard and then finding uh, different parts of them. Like we might um, we might concentrate on, you know, their strength. So um, I'm an awesome leader or something and then they'll find different things, different pictures to... Um, to depict that mm-hmm. and they get to, you know, look inside and see who they truly are now. But also going back to school has become, you know, terrible for them because now they've got to get off of Zoom and get off Snapchat and actually talk to people. So that's where the difficulty is lying for them. But yeah, so working with soul collage and talking and, um yeah, looking at their strengths is a really and their boundaries. Boundaries are just a massive thing with with everyone, you know. I'm just going to just going to say that that strengths and boundaries is probably something we should learn a whole lot easier uh, earlier. I didn't learn that till much much later. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. And you know, knowing that you have boundaries, you know that you can say no, and you know even. Um, Oh, a 13-year-old girl that I'm thinking of, and she won't mind me mentioning this because she says, will you write a story about me? So <laughs> this is your story, dear. <laughs> Not mentioning any names. But she's 13 and she has real problems saying no to boys. She's very attractive. She's very, you know, she's developed beautifully. She's just this gorgeous, gentle sensitive soul and once you know she's had a whole load of um horrible things happen over the internet that boys do that I won't go into but you know there's a whole load of sexual stuff that happened that she didn't know how to deal with and she couldn't um she couldn't she didn't even know that she could say no or tell her parents 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 Mm the parents in to talk about it so boundaries yeah the building boundaries was her with her was amazing mm-hmm. and I think that's um, when it comes to uh, saying no you, you don't learn that that's sort of something that you grow into um, from my own experience um, when I'm looking at being in marketing and when I'm helping clients, I can have the what I call those hell yeah moments. Yep, that's it, that's it. And you, you, you have uncertainty and you work with your instincts and you're just in that zone. But we don't always, and in my case, I didn't bring that that certainty, that hell yes or hell no um, scenario into my personal life. I just went, okay, okay. Yeah, that's right. um, yeah. Um, and that's um, such a, a common thing. I work with lots of different women in um, that are in their 40s that are uh, transitioning from corporate into um, into self-employment or wanting to become speakers because they've got uh, their own stories to uh, share and tell. And it's interesting how, you know, and that was why I talked about um, it would be great if we learned some of this stuff early because most of the people are transitioning or transforming or evolving and they're over 40. Um, my first one was 40 and then I had my next one at 50. God knows what's going to happen at 60. Let's look out. No, um, yeah. It's better if you get older, Sally. Yes. <laughs> 
it's not quite there yet, but it's sort of like, yep, let's keep on with this roller coaster. What will happen next? So yeah, as it relates yeah. to the um, to the work that you do um, and the transformation, obviously, that you're helping other, other people um, have and for them to rediscover themselves and rediscovering joy, et cetera, what's the, um, I suppose, the one secret or the tip that you can give people that are, that are out there that haven't quite yet taken that first step to seeking out somebody uh, like you um is it a case if, if i if i was to answer that for me it was a case of hey if you're getting three people or you're getting repeating patterns of people saying hey that's not right perhaps it's time to listen what would be some of the um tips that you would give people or um secrets that you can share from uh, the experiences that you've had with people that they can look out for and and perhaps listen to Mm. Yeah, I think listening to friends is sometimes really helpful and sometimes really harmful as well. I think, yeah, because there are some clients that come to me that say, you know, oh, so-and-so said I had to come because I'm not dealing with stuff well. Mm. But they were, you know, going through their grief. They're meant to be emotional. So, um, but when they come, when they realise that they're two different people, like you said, Sally, you know, you were... Uh, personally quiet and saying, oh, okay, yes, 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 but publicly, you know, in your job or whatever, you're going, no, we're not going to do this, we're going to do that. And that was like me. I was a registered nurse at the time and I was just, you know, telling doctors off. I was, a, you know, an advocate for my patients Mm -hmm. and then at home going, oh, yep, okay, I'll clean that, I'll iron that, I'll do that. So, and we'll go there even though I really don't want to. But Mm -hmm. as soon as you realise that you are two people, that you're not congruent and that you, you know, you're feeling less and less like you, um, that's when, you know, you need to, I think journaling is the best Mm. thing. It's one of the best things and art like drawing because you've sort of, trick your mind into it's like bypassing the intellectual part of your mind mm. so yeah so that sort of thing really helps yeah that's a, such a great tip and I think the journaling I, I've, I've, I've just been doing some um work with a client that's actually an art therapist and she does hear all the time I can't draw I don't know how to draw and I think that's sort of a bit of a roadblock but I think if you can start with that um uh, with the journaling, that's something that you can do in your own your privacy of your own home and just start to, start to get some thoughts and just the waffle out and just see where that goes. And then you start to see the creativity in that, which then opens up the opportunity for potentially doing some uh, drawing or those sorts of things as that type of thing comes out or doodling. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But in journaling, like journaling, I've been journaling since I was 14, believe it or not, but reading over the past few months, you know, just mm. to have a look at the patterns, you know, mm. notice and saying yes to. And don't journal, oh, I got up in the morning, I had breakfast, got dressed. It's mm. all about your emotions. Like mm. what reaction did you have to, have to the bus driver who closed the door on you while you were running for the bus or, you know, that person that, person that was serving you that just didn't even look at you. So, yeah, that sort of journaling. Yeah, that's a need. 
great tip. So journaling the emotions and the reactions, what's happened for you in that day that you reacted to or how you felt about it and the experience of it. Um, mm. And that's actually just it triggered a, a memory for me because I remembered going th- when I was going through my dark period and I hadn't actually sort of stepped up yet. I actually did buy a gratitude journal and I used to hate writing in that thing at night. I was like, oh, God. I'll get that down. Um, and, you know, that this is the whole rebel in me, the coming out again. Um, but I did do it, even though it was sporadic. I may not have done it every day because sometimes the rebel, you know, won that one because um, mm. that was the only fight I could win at the time um, with myself, um, was when I did actually look back at it, I could see um, some of the patterns uh, coming into play. And that was when the, my girlfriends that s- were started to pull me up on things and I was offended by it when I actually looked back in my journal, they were actually right because I'd get some of that stuff in my journal. Um, So I think that's such a fabulous tip to be able to share with uh, with people. So um, I'd love to make – Uh, give people the opportunity to be able to connect with you. Obviously, they can do that um, and get your contact details uh, through uh, the radio station blog and they can also jump onto um, our uh, website, which is successsecretsexposedradio.com and you'll have um, your contact details there as well as the the ability to download your uh, Rediscovering Joy ebook as well, so people could have a resource from you, which is very, uh, very grateful for. Thank you very, very much. And the best way to contact with you, I know you're active on social media. What is it? Instagram for you, the best way or Facebook? Yeah, Instagram. I absolutely love Instagram, which is just Kate Wotherspoon. Beautiful. Um, so that's Kate Wotherspoon um, at Instagram. Also, you can find Kate on Facebook. And again, Kate's contact details are available um, on the radio station blog. So to give you a little bit of uh, background as to what we're going to be talking about uh, next week, slightly different uh, pace for everyone. Uh, we're going to get off the life the life roller coaster and uh, go into a business roller coaster. And I have uh, Julian Mather coming to speak um, next week who's going to talk about being unstuck unstuck with video. Now, Gillian is a video uh, expert using smartphones and he does a lot of work with our professional speakers here across Australia and some other countries as well. So he's going to be sharing some great tips on how we can all get unstuck uh, with video and get some video out into our social media and share some of our stories um, so people can get to experience us. So thank you very, very much, Kate. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. I thank you very, very much. um, And I look forward to uh, speaking and hearing and chatting with our listeners more next week. Thank you very, very much. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I trust you got some inspirational tips to move you forward. See you next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern for more Success Secrets Exposed.